0: Okay, so I'm going to call this episode The the Matrix Inverted. Um, I think that a lot of the times when we watch deep movies or we, you know, we read a deep book um, or watch like a really like thought-provoking show, we oftentimes don't think beyond the story that we're presented, right? So the, the author presents a story. We accept the story as it is. Uh, And then we think about it as it's presented to us, which is fine. It's all all fine. But um, the way my mind works is I like to take a concept and then kind of take it apart from all angles, (laughs) like sort of chew it up, spit it out, chew it up again, and really break things down and look at things not in the way that it's been presented to me, right? Um, I'm a big fan of not just accepting things at face value, not accepting reality at face value, not accepting people at face value, not accepting anything at face value. Question everything, okay? So the other day, I, I sometimes sit and just kind of write my thoughts out when I'm not you know able to sort of record um, an episode. And uh, I've been, the reason why it's taken me so long to record a new episode is because I've been kind of playing my mind of what I wanted this episode to be about. I'd said in the Discord channel, um please check my solo that to um link on my tiktok and probably i'll try to remember to put it in the description in the in this video as well for the link to the discord channel we just started kind of promoting it i had it i set it up like the beginning of the year and i didn't realize why i was setting it up for because at the beginning of the year i was not like on tiktok (laughs) because i was like "Eh, it's like a a bootleg vine so I didn't want to mess with it and then like I think March I was like all right let me just try this TikTok thing it was February or March of this year 2021 and you know now I am where I am so um, I'm going to slowly start kind of getting people into there because I want to kind of form a tribe and have people who feel like you know they don't have anybody to discuss this stuff with um, to find people that they can discuss this stuff with I think that that would be fun I, I need to do a better job of um, promoting it and I, I definitely will um will do so i will put that on myself but um i said in the channel i said you know what i want to talk about is the myth of the one the myth of the hero and why we shouldn't root for the chosen one and why we shouldn't root for the heroes now it sounds weird right because it's a it's counter it's a counter narrative to what we have been sort of programmed right with but i I, once again i i implore you to challenge everything because in the very word program is essentially, by definition, it's a set of rigid ideas that controls your, your mind, controls your behavior, controls your perspective, right? So the way you sort of break yourself free from the shackles of control is, especially when it's a mental control, right? I mean, if it's a physical you know, um, control, a, like you're chained or whatever, at least you can see it, right? But mental controls are, are quite different. So the way you control, the way you sort of undo shackles of the mind is by using your mind right so if you're physically bound you use your physical body to try to you know loose yourself to unbind yourself but if you're mentally bound then you use your mind to sort of you know free yourself um if you can um so as I was writing I had this thought I said I wrote it out and I said you know the author the author is an authority figure and actually as I was writing that down I was like holy shit there's authority like author is an authority and i really like i needed to sit and really think about that um and what that means i meant to um look up the etymology of the word uh, authority and author um and i didn't um but i will maybe in the next next episode it doesn't matter it's not pertinent to what i'm about to discuss right now but just listen okay the author is an authority figure the author is controlling the narrative right the author controls the narrative and thus the perspective of what you see, you as the viewer see, or you as the reader sees, right? They show only the bad sides of the villain um, and they show only the good sides of the hero, thus framing and ultimately controlling the way you see the story, the villain, and the hero, okay? Now, An exercise in mental flexibility is to switch your perspective. Yeah. So the next time you're watching a show or a movie, don't just automatically root for the hero, right? Don't automatically just root for the victor, right? There's, there's things that they do even with writing, right? There's a book called save the cat basically tells you that there's these psychological things that you can do when you're writing a story to make your audience automatically identify with the hero, um, one of the things that they have you do is just have it, you know, have the main character. If it's, if you know that that character is a hero, you want to like manipulate your audience. I mean, it is manipulation, but if you want to manipulate your audience into caring for the main character, you have them save a cat or do something sweet, like, you know, help a little old lady, you know what I mean? Um, and so like little cues, it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, I just, as I said, help a little old lady. I remember the scene, which is what this episode is going to be about. I'm going to really kind of break down and analyze the matrix, but like inverted from a different perspective than what was presented. But in the scene when uh, Neo is taken in and he meets with uh, Mr. Uh, Smith or Agent Smith, um, Agent Smith says, like, um, you, you know, Thomas Anderson pays his taxes, and then he says, he, you help your little old lady take out the trash. Okay, that is meant, that, that is a save the cat moment. It's meant to get the audience, whether or not they're aware of it, it's meant to get the audience to sort of like the main character and to root for him. Oh, he helps his, you know, this little old lady um, kind of take out the trash. So that's a save the cat moment. And they, they do this all the time um, in shows. I think the next time you're watching a show for the first time, pay attention. Um, cause that's, you know, but that's the author essentially exercising its authority over you, the viewer, to get you to root for the characters that they want you to root for. It's so funny, um, <laughs> that, um, I guess it doesn't really work for me, or maybe I'm just a different kind of cat, but I, I, I should, I, I should at least start by saying that, um, when I say the next thing I watch a show. I mean like a normal show, (laughs) like like a sci-fi show or a fantasy show. I don't know if necessarily if you're watching like a show about like a person who's terrible like it's clearly a horrible character like it's a one-dimensional character that is just evil all around and just like badly written um i'm not saying like root for a fucking like rapist or like a pedophile or something like that like that's not what i mean people have a tendency when like people say things to just go to the fucking extreme that that's not what i mean okay um i'll give you an an example uh I, i i was watching the um doctor who series with my kid and um and there's a scene, it was like one of the older series with uh, I think the eleventh doctor or something like that. And no, it was the twelfth with the twelfth doctor. Hold on. No, it was the eleventh, sorry. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Um, but David Tennant was was a doctor. And um and it's like the Cybermen are essentially preparing to take over the earth, okay? And if you don't know what a Cybermen is, they're basically like androids, right? Um half human, half uh, robots. Um, and their drive is to assimilate human beings and turn them into robots because robots are more efficient and um the the cybermen are from like a parallel universe and they're trying to essentially infiltrate our universe and get more uh recruits uh in quotes you know for their cybermen like um coalition or whatever i don't know and um i guess as i'm like watching I'm like, actually, this is a brilliant plan. <laughs> this is like well executed. Um, and like they sh- they start showing like the the Cybermen start to like infiltrate our world, and um, and I'm like, these humans are fucking stupid. Like, what what are you doing, right? Like, if you see like the way the Cybermen like were infiltrating our world, like first they they sent like little cubes and the humans just took the cubes like in and they were like oh we don't know where these cubes came from they just sort of materialize out of nowhere and rather than asking hey what the fuck is this um like the the news told them oh it's like spirits or ghosts or something like that because then the boxes would project shadows uh certain times of the day and so the news were like oh they must be your loved ones or whatever and like everybody just ate that shit up and started like carrying these cubes around with them and i'm like You guys are just, you're not going to question what (laughs) the fuck is going on. This is stupid. And you know what? I'm not rooting for, I'm not going to root for stupid people. Like you're setting yourself up for disappointment, right? And that's what these shows tend to do. Like, I'm not saying it's intentional, but I don't root. I don't root for the good guys simply because they're good guys if a good guy has a good plan then cool like I'm supporting you but I'm not going to emotionally invest myself in watching a character who's just going to keep doing stupid shit yeah like (laughs) and you're doing stupid shit and I should just root for you because what we're both human nah and um and I guess I must have said that or something like that and my kid was like mom why do you always root for the villain and I was like I don't I don't root for the villain and they're like yes yes you do like you <laughs> like you always root for the like they always root for the bad guy and I paused I thought about it. we just finished watching Shadow and Bones and there was the Darkling and I was like yeah he can get it <laughs> like I didn't say that out loud but like I started watching in the middle of the show and I had no idea who anybody was right like my husband picked the picked the show and I was like partially watching it um But I was like halfway in, and of course there's this guy in all black. And what I'm what I'm listening to him saying, like, yeah, it makes sense. Like, if some king was trying to wipe out your fucking people, you would do whatever it takes to protect them, right? Wait, he's the bad guy. (laughs) How is he the bad guy? Um, Apparently, yeah, he was the bad guy, and he was like, you know, I don't know, like killing people or whatever. But they were trying to kill him first. How is self defense? wrong. Am I a villain? <laughs> I'm not a villain. Am I a villain? Um, so anyway, yeah. So uh, apparently I always root for the villain, but my response to my kid was I don't root for the villain. I root for the people who make the most sense. Like my emotions are very fragile and I'm not going to emotionally invest in dumbasses. And, and that's all... I have to say about that. So back to what I'm saying about authors is, is be mindful when you watch something. Don't just automatically root for the victor or the hero, right? You'll miss half the story that way. That's bending yourself to the authority of the author, okay? Now, what does that have to do with the matrix? Well, I'm about to present a different narrative. Same story, but a different narrative told by moi. Uh, A different author. You can tell, you know, you can have different authors tell the same story, right? Like when you have a war, for example, like let's take, you know, take World War II. If you asked, you know, um, the Nazis uh, their perspective, uh, (laughs) bad example, by the way. I just said root for the villains, don't root for the Nazis. Like that's not what I'm trying to say here. Once again, Please take it in the spirit of how I mean it. Like, don't go fucking extreme. But if you ask the, let's just back off on the allies, that clearly they are evil, right? Remember I said? Um, Not the allies, the Nazis. Remember I said? Like, don't just root for the one-dimensional, badly written characters. Yeah, Nazis are the one-dimensional, badly written characters. So let's drop that. Um, If it was a choice between, like, let's say the, the, the Japanese um and and the allies right well if the allies are telling the story of world war Two, right they have a different story um and then the japanese they have a different story right and to to each party they feel like they're in the right but depending on who's telling the story right that will depend on who the villain is and who you know that will determine rather who the villain is and who uh who's the hero okay so now let's start let's start with Neo. We are told when you watch The Matrix, most people, I mean, unless you're, like, deep diving into The Matrix and then, like, spend a lot of time thinking about this shit, um, more than normal, most people, uh, would identify Morpheus, Neo, Trinity as, even the Oracle, um, as the good guys, and, um, and the agent, the architect, uh, as the bad guy, because that's how the story, um, was written for the viewers to perceive and I would like to challenge that perception I would like to first start by saying that Neo was no hero um, at all Uh, Neo was some guy living in the fringe of society he had no emotional or social like connections to anybody in the simulation in the matrix and he literally was just a passive character who things just happened and for a person who you know called himself a nihilist who basically prided himself in being this free individual none of his actions were done like were freely chosen he was actually being manipulated from the start by the machines and uh at the end of this i'll actually tell you why i don't even think that he was a human being at all or at least he's not fully human um but let's, let's start at the beginning. So Neo is sleeping when he's awakened by a nudge. Now, what I mean by nudge is by, I mean it's as a psych, by the psychological definition of nudge. So in the book Nudge by Richard Thaler, a behavioral nudge is defined as uh, choice architecture. You should look this up. Choice architecture, which alters people's behavior in a, predicti- in a predictable way through positive reinforcement indirect suggestions and in an attempt to influence the behavior and decision-making of groups or individuals, okay? So this whole movie, this dude is just straight up being nudged left, right, and center. So movie starts, you know, there's like whatever, like Trinity and whatever is talking, but here's where it actually starts, right? So you meet the main character, he's sleeping when he's awakened by a nudge. And the nudge is type, 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 wake up, Neo, The Matrix has you, follow the white rabbit, knock, knock, Neo, okay? So he sees all of this, hears a knock, he gets up, he walks to the door. People are at the door, they're hackers, their names are Shoah and DuJour, which is French for choice of the day, Okay? Um, and they basically tell him, right? So they're, these are essentially hackers. They're part of this like alt world that he's involved in. And they, they ask for some sort of file or whatever. And they want, you know, choice or schwa, whatever his name is. He, he tells them, he tells Neo, you are the Messiah. Right. And then he, he says, you need to just unplug. And he invites him to a rave. And then DuJour, the lady, um raver uh, or hacker or whatever, Um, she turns and Neo sees the white rabbit tattoo and he essentially just blindly follows the prompt. So at first he was like, I don't want to go to this rave, but then because of some random typing on his computer, he quote chooses to follow the lady with the white rabbit tattoo. That is not a choice. That is uh, a series of actions that uh, he's kind of gone under uh, that was instigated by some random person <laughs> that texted him you know and called him by his hacker name, which once again he triggered his ego right so let 's start with this so that not once again, but that starts with his ego, so he 's at the rave, standing there kind of watching everything once again, kind of apart. Right. He's not really he doesn't have any like friends, you know, I mean, these raver guys or whatever, like they they're not really his friends. Right. They invite him to a party, but he's not really like part of them. He's not part of anything. He's a loner. Yeah. Um, Which is why I think he's targeted in the first place. But that's we'll deal with that later on. Um, Trinity approaches him and tells him, tells him what he's been searching for. OK. And he doesn't question it. She goes, you've been searching for the Matrix. and He's like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and he just kind of goes with it. The next scene, he wakes up. He goes to a job that he hates. So he hates his job, but yet he keeps going to it. Not sure where the choice is there, right? How he claims to be free. And yet, so far, like in the beginning of the of the movie, right? He is told to wake up and he wakes up. He's told to go to his door by the knock right? Knock, knock, Neo. And then there's a knock. He's told to follow the white rabbit. He goes to, to the rave, right? And uh, he meets Neo, who tells him what he's searching for. And no, nowhere does he question any of this. So he wakes up, he now goes to a job he hates, and he's late. And his his um, his boss says, I give you some choices. You can either choose to be work on time, or you can lose this job. Is that really a choice? That's not really a choice, right? It's a threat. It's saying, if you don't do this thing, um, you're going to get fired. It's presented like a choice, right? So that Neo feels like he has, I guess, some element of control, some semblance of control over his life. But it's a threat, okay? So here we start sort of, you see the author start essentially playing with the illusion of choice, okay? So now he goes to his desk and he's sitting at his desk and the computer is off. He's not working. I guess that is his act of rebellion, right? Well, I'm going to sit here, but I'm not, going to turn, I'm not going to turn on my computer. I'm just going to sit here. And once again, you look at his cubicle and there's no, there's no personal effects. He has no pictures of friends, no pictures of family, no, like not even like a degree. He's just like in a fucking cubicle staring at a, at a turned off computer, right? And at that point... It almost feels like he's just waiting for something to happen to him, which literally that's this whole, like this, like that's his life, right? It's just, it's just him waiting for something to happen to him. So I see sitting there pouting, uh, <laughs> right. This is our hero. He's sitting there pouting at his desk. Um, he gets a package out of nowhere and it's addressed to him. And the person says, are you Neo. Uh, The delivery person says, are you Neo, which is his alter ego, right? His name for his alter ego. And um, he says, yes. And so in the package, he gets a phone, okay? And then the phone rings and right off the bat, he's met with a command. Once again, this time it's a voice, right? And the voice is saying Neo, right? If you don't leave now, you will essentially be arrested. So now he's being commanded by some disembodied voice in the phone who is basically has now frightened him. So now fear is another sort of like coercive nudge that is used to manipulate his behavior to go to the scaffolding. Okay, so he's told somebody's coming to get you, and uh, if you don't run away right now, uh, they will come and get you. He doesn't know who's coming for him. It's just this voice from some random stranger telling him, "Hey, they're coming for you, and you have to go out to the window." So he like goes out the window, and then he's like, "Wait, I'm afraid of heights." So then he goes back in, <laughs> and he is now arrested. And this is where he felt he first meets um the agents for the first time. Now bear in mind that this is important, that he has a fear of heights, but he also has a fear of being captured. So you have two conflicting fears, and ultimately the fear of height and essentially dying supersedes his fear of being captured. So it's now his fear, right, that those are instincts that are Driving his behavior, and when you are fearful, you're not really in control of yourself. Okay, so just bear in all this in mind. So he's just sort of reacting. It's just cause and effect. He's just reacting to things that are happening to him. Okay, so now we we see him now in the room where he's in custody. He's waiting for the agents to come and interrogate him. But bear in mind that when they show the scene of him in the room. There's First, they showed a bunch of little monitors. And if you remember from the later movies, those little monitors are actually the monitors of the architect. So that tells you, without telling you, that he is being watched by the architect. Now, every little scene in the little TVs are him doing the exact same thing, okay? So that becomes important later on, and I'm going to get back to that, okay? Um, But right now, he's just sitting there. He's not, you know, each each TV just has him sitting there. So it's, it's apparent, then it should be apparent that he's just being monitored. That's it, okay? Um, and as he's sitting, he meets the agents. And Agent Smith explains that Neo's like, dichotomy to us, the audience. And he says, on one hand, you have Tom Anderson, the law-abiding citizen who helps little ladies take out the trash, okay? On the other hand, you have lawbreaker Neo, So now we have this dichotomy, which this show, this movie plays a lot with, right? But it's kind of telling you that a person can be two things in one, right? Two contradictory things in one. You have one guy who works, you know, a regular nine to five job. And then on the other hand, he's like breaking the law more or less. And he's essentially given a choice That's, once again, not a choice. It's a threat, right? You can either get a fresh start if you help capture Morpheus, right? So all of the crimes that he has committed as Neo can be forgiven if he helps capture Morpheus. But bear in mind that that would also have meant that he would have given up everything that he has established to establish himself as Neo, Bear in mind also that you can tell by the bareness of his office that he is more Neo than Tom Anderson, right? Tom Anderson is essentially just a means to an end. Tom Anderson is just sort of a shell of his character. He feels more like Neo than he does, you know, Tom Anderson. And you can tell because he's not even committed to his office, right? There's no there's no personal effects. He doesn't have books there. He doesn't like anything. It's just it's just a desk. It's just, it's it's performative in a way. It just serves a function. So when the agent tells him, when Agent Smith tells him, you can you have a choice here where we will wipe everything that you are as Neo, right? Essentially. Uh we'll wipe all of that away. I right? mean if you snitch for us and essentially become uh, uh uh help us find more Phoebus, yeah and then you get to be Mr. Anderson but he doesn't want to be Mr. Anderson so that's not really a choice and also bear in mind that he's saying the alter the alternative is you just go to jail so it's a threat right now at this point he has no idea. I mean, there's been some weird things kind of going on where he's sort of like, he kind of could dismiss them as, you know, coincidences or whatever, but, um, he thinks he's in custody of like, you know, FBI or something like that. So he goes, you know, I know my rights and he flips off the agent and then he, you know, asks for his call or whatever. At that moment in time, shit gets real, but also fake, right? Like his lips seal and he's held down and, and the tracking device is like inserted into his belly. It's not just like a regular, obviously you guys have seen it. It's like a scorpion thing that's moving. It's mechanical. But um, yeah, that definitely gets, you know, shoved into his stomach. And then the next scene he wakes up and is in a, in his, he is in his room. Now we're left wondering, is this, did that really happen? Is this a dream? But once again, uh, he gets a phone call. And once again, it's from Random Voice. Now, this voice starts with a nudging. Remember how I define nudging? Positive reinforcement in order to influence people's behavior. So he's told he is special, right? And he's told this is Morpheus. Now, Morpheus is a guy. Both Morpheus and Trinity are people that he you know, looked up to. They're like sort of role models or, or idols in a way. And now you have an idol, somebody that you looked up to, right? Like imagine like your favorite celebrity calls you out of the blue and tells you everything that you've been, you know, thinking about the nature of reality is 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 true, right? Now come meet me at the bridge. Is it really a choice at that point? Especially when so this is all chain of events, right? All cause and effect. So here is where he's at now. Okay, he's essentially getting shepherd down a particular path. They do this with cattle where they just turn them and turn them and turn them to the slaughterhouse, so to speak, because it's dark and it's horrible, but I I can't think of a better analogy. Um, But his options are kind of narrowing down. So he's not really making choices. Here's what he's, he's told. You can either meet at the bridge, right? Or essentially, what's the alternative? Go back to a shitty job that he hates where his boss he's basically has already threatened to fire him he's not entirely sure what happened with the agents happened or not so there's not really confirmation there either right so at that point in time he can either go just hang up the phone but she's not going to, right? If you're, if you're, sorry, I was like listening for something. If you, if you get a call from, I don't know, if Christopher Nolan or somebody like that, um, and they're like, hey, we want to meet with you. Is that a fucking choice? <laughs> oh no, you know, I've got to go to the shitty job tomorrow. Like even if the agents hadn't contacted him, yeah? It's just, hey, meet me at this bridge. Like you're going to go to the bridge, okay? So he's not, it's not really a choice. He's been, he's been nudged so far. So he goes to the bridge because he was going to go to the bridge. And as he goes to the bridge uh, and he's standing there waiting again for something to happen, he's approached by uh, Trinity and, um, and Co. And they tell him to get in, okay? And as he's in the car, we realize or we're shown that the thing in the stomach is actually, was real and the tracker gets removed. So now all of a sudden he's like, holy shit. Okay, so the thing that happened with his mouth really did happen, and the thing that happened with his, you know, his belly really did happen. So now it's like, whoa, what is going on, right? What is going on? So now it's like he's not even given time to process that, to sit with that, <laughs> to really digest. Like, what the fuck does that mean? What is going on here before he's spirited off to Morpheus, who's who's introduced to him as this honest, you know, all-knowing. Entity that's you know wise, yeah. Now, bear in mind, all of these people that he has encountered are strangers, he doesn't know any of these people, okay. He is once again presented another choice, right? You get the red pill or the blue pill, right? The blue pill, you go back to the life of Mr. Anderson, which now at this point, he is con- it has confirmed to him that yes, uh, the agents we're real and have some weird ability to like inject him with like scorpion tracking devices um, and seal his lips okay that's not really a choice or he could take this red pill and the red pill will give him the answers to the questions that he's been searching for all of his life is that a choice is that really a choice At that point in time, you're now in a room with a pe- bunch of people you don't really know. Yes, you kind of you know know them or know of them, but you don't really know them. He's not told what is in the pill. He doesn't ask, right? Although, And for somebody who believes in free will, once again, he just kind of goes along with it. Doesn't ask, hey, what the fuck is in this pill? What will happen if I take this pill, right? No questions. He just grabs the pill throws that shit in his mouth it could have been cyanide for all he knew right he's just cool hey random strangers that have found me and brought me to this point i'll just put stuff in my body and of course things happen and then he wakes up in the real world yeah and once again things are just kind of done done to him right the answers to the few questions that he's asked um essentially cause him to have like a panic attack understandably so like it's in the real world that he starts trying to like essentially process everything that is happening. So he passes out. Understandably. And when he comes through, you know, Morpheus meets with him and he's asking, you know, once again, a very passive question. He's not saying, what the fuck did you do to me? What the fuck is going on? Why didn't you tell me this was going to happen? His response was, I can't go back now, can I? Why would you want to? At this point, what do you have to go back to? That is a weird question for somebody who considers himself to be free. If everything that he's been, that has, he's been through is true, why would you really want to go back? And then Morpheus answers, no, you cannot go back. And the logical question is, why would you want to? All right? Although I'm not certain that was even true, that he couldn't go back. All right, I think that that was a lie because clearly they go back the you know see the simulation um but i also feel like that's a question that he should have asked (laughs) you know what i mean um before making a choice right okay so now neo's next told once again about the prophecy of the one so he's all throughout this movie, he's being told that he's the one and he's told about the prophecy of the one. And people are throwing out words like Messiah and you're special and things of that nature. So now you've got this guy that you looked up to, this, you know, super hacker guy, mentor guy um, that you looked up to. And now he's sitting and he's telling him that, you know, he's the one. Um, and then he just kind of casually mentions that, yes, and there may have been other ones before you. How are you the one (laughs) if you're the sixth? Um, That's not a question that he once again pauses to ask. He just sort of goes with it, right? Um, And then another thing that Morpheus says is that there are other possible messiahs and you're going to need to go and see this oracle. Okay, so now we have Neo, who is the main character. And so far, he's to this point, he has been just super passive, yeah? And he's being programmed, he's being reprogrammed. He is, I mean, this is, you know, the all the time that I'm watching this, I can't help think that this feels very predatory, that Morpheus's actions feel very predatory. These are things that cult leaders do, right? They They use religion to or I should say a belief system to essentially pull people who are in the fringes of society. Remember that scene where he's standing on the outside, even within the counterculture that he's involved with, he's still a fringe outside of a fringe, right? Um, and and then he's introduced, he's reprogrammed with this new ideology, this new religion, right? And he's trained by Morpheus and told he is the Messiah and he believes that he is the one. Although there have been others that he's told the same thing to. And it never really crosses our hero's mind to ask, once again, like questions or at the very least the right questions, right? The story of the Savior is just another religion, which as we know, and as Morpheus said, is just another element of the matrix he tells us right now. So there's some people who have theorized that Zion is just another layer of the matrix. And there's a scene that I'll get to later that basically says that that kind of re keeps repeating that, right? So all he's done is traded in one element of control, which was the matrix, for another element of control, which was essentially the oracle, and I'll get to that. Um the oracle using Morpheus and Trinity and the rest, but I'll get to that. Um, But you have billions of people who are otherwise sitting on their hands, right? Living their lives according to myths, right? And the myth is there is a one, right? There is a Messiah and all you've got to do is just wait and somebody will come and rescue you. Right, But the myth of the hero, as we know, especially as a lot of people who have walked away from religion and yet observe family members who are in religion still, is just another element of control. You encourage people to live more passive lives and waiting for somebody to save them. And what you're doing is also you're priming people's minds so that when a strong personality comes right a narcissistic personality comes like a like a hitler or like a like a trump um who even like even though the the bible kind of says okay that's the messiah how many or not the messiah the uh, antichrist how many people have the same the very same people who believe in the bible elevated and still do elevate a person like trump who presents a lot of characteristics of what their Bible would call the Antichrist, but they treat him like he's the chosen one. That's not even their fault. It's it's how your mind is primed. We're primed through religion to look for the one that's going to elevate us all, that's gonna save us all. Right? It's not you, you see this throughout time over and over again. There's always a chosen one. And then we elevate them and then they get killed. And we elevate them and then they killed. <laughs> It kind of is a thing, yeah? But instead of people coming together and saying, you know what, fuck this. I don't like the way this world is. Let's come together and fix this world. They just kind of sit and wait and go, someone will save us. That is just one more element of control. And we're seeing that here now, except it's Morpheus imposing that ideology on who is supposed to be our hero, A lot of the actions that Morpheus takes reminds me of brainwashing tactics that cult leaders use to brainwash their followers. Morpheus says to Neo that the two elements of control used to control people in the matrix are financial and religious, right? So we've seen the financial control when he's at his office and his boss is basically saying like, you can either lose your job or you can show up on time. Well, he's controlling him, and whether or not he is... You know, he sits and pouts at his desk. He's still being controlled. Now you see his his way of reacting to that control. Neo's way is just sitting and staring at the room, but or staring at the at the at the computer. But he's still doing something he doesn't want to do. He's being controlled. There's another scene where Morpheus straight up says to him. He says, "The Matrix is a system control. It's everywhere. It's in this very room." right now. And Morpheus says that to Neo when it's just the two of them together, which once again, if Neo was like a sort of a critical thinker, um, he might pause and kind of raise an eyebrow like, wait a minute, I don't know this guy. And let's think about everything that has led me to this point right now. But he's trying to indoctrinate Neo with a new religion, with a new set of beliefs, which is just another layer of the matrix. Which is why I wonder, and I, I'm going to theorize, is whether or not Morpheus himself is just another program controlled by the machine, the way the Oracle and the Architect are programs. Okay, but I'll get back to I'll get back to that later. So Cipher says to Neo, "Why didn't I take the blue pill?" Now the author of the story wants us to look at Cipher as a villain. It's very it's very, you know, the dichotomies are very are limiting, right? If you view everything and, and we're programmed to, as we're programmed to do as good versus bad. We see this happen all the time, right? So even with the media, it, in politics, you have good versus bad. Democrats versus Republicans, right? Like left versus right, whatever. There's always that dichotomy where they force you to choose Right, you can't really look and say what well, nobody is inherently good and inherently bad. Like that's not that's not how this shit works, right? But the all of these narratives are framed in a particular way. Even in California right now, the there is a recall effort to recall the governor of California, and he, they are calling it a, help stop the Republican uh, recall effort. But it wasn't a Republican recall effort. There were actually a lot of Independent and Democratic um, voters who did not like the lockdown, but the media is making it seem like, no, 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 this is just the Republicans way of retaliating for losing to, you know, to Biden. And that's just not the case you know there were a lot of business owners who felt that they shouldn't for what whether or not you agree with them a lot of business owners lost their livelihoods a lot of business owners felt like the rules were inconsistent um that um what's his name the governor i can't remember his name right now um he was playing by a double standard like this dude was telling people to shut down their businesses but he kept his restaurant open Get what I mean? Like, there's just a lot of weird stuff that was happening that people thought was hip- hypocritical. And so they signed the recall effect, the um, effort, effort, rather. There were, there were parents who felt like their kids should have been in school. So they joined on that. It wasn't a purely, oh, it's just like vindictive, like the way they're trying to make it seem. But that's the problem when you sit back and you passively digest information the way we are passively programmed right? They force you to look at everything as just good versus evil, black versus white, so that they can paint a different narrative. So when you look at Cypher, I'm not saying that Cypher was a hero of the story. Clearly he is not. But the authors shape the story. They want you to think that he was a bad guy. And I'm also not saying that the Wachowskis are intentionally trying to like you know, force you to see things in a way. So that's not the point of this either, but just obviously hear me out. But, um, I just want you to overall challenge what you perceive. Okay. But here, here's a, here's a point. Here's a, here's a question. He was, he was given the same amount of choices, the same two choices, red pill, blue pill. All right. Dude doesn't strike me as somebody who had a lot of friends or family because, um, it, it seems like the people that they target are people, once again, on the fringes that would just say, fuck it, I have nothing else to lose and disconnect. And if if the, the one, the so-called one was treated in the way that we, we were shown, where basically he wasn't really given an option or told, like, this is what would happen if you take this pill, right? Um, it was just sort of like a forced choice in a way. It was an illusion, Right, I can understand waking up in a world like that. Literally, is a dis dy- like it's just like dystopian. Now all you're doing is just trying to survive and going, "Fuck, what did I sign up for?" Because he was not given it the information. I watched a, a video on YouTube uh, that talked about how uh, game programmers, computer programmers who program games, um, how they essentially create the illusion of choice in, in, uh, in game, like video games, which is very interesting. You should check it out. I can't think of the title of it right now. Um, but I think if you type in like the illusion of choice um, in games or whatever, you'll see like a talk on it. It's like 20 something minutes long. But uh, in it, the, 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 the guy said, information is the currency of choice. In order for you to make informed choices, you need information. They didn't give this dude a choice. Like it, or, I should say, they didn't give him information to aid in his choice. A bunch of shit happened. they preyed on his natural- a, a person like that, their natural sort of suspicion about the nature of reality, which would be essentially people like us who were just like, okay, something's not fucking right, right And then like imagine like you're sitting <laughs> I, had, I had this conversation with my with my cousin, and he was like, would you we were, I asked him i said would you have would you have taken the pill if you were made with a choice?" And he was like, probably. I said, do you think I would have taken the pill? He's like, no. Because first of all, you've been like, what the fuck is in this? <laughs> right. Second, it says gluten-free. Is this organic? Yeah, I would fucking have questions. Yeah, I'm not going to, you just, I just met you. Okay, cool. Thank you for confirming that, you know, this reality is a false construct. I was like 99% sure that it was, Um because of all the shit that I've read and like literally everything that points to that. So thank you for confirming that. But honestly, when the agents hijacked me and put some shit in my belly and then sealed my lips when I was fucking talking, that was all the confirmation that I need. I don't know you guys. Can I have a minute? Why are you trying to force me to make this choice right the fuck now? That reminds me of the shit that like when you go into a car dealer and they pressure your ass, right? you're like, I just want to buy a car. And then you're there all day and you're like, I, I need to leave. And they're like, no, 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 I like, don't leave because they need you to make a decision that moment because they know that if you are allowed time to walk away, then you will have enough time to maybe make a different decision. These are sales tactics. These are, this is manipulation. And so I understand Cypher being like, man, fuck this noise. Fuck these people. <laughs> Fuck Trinity, right? Like, obviously, he's a little stir-crazy. He's on a fucking ship with people that, like, he... I don't even think he really... Clearly, he doesn't like because he sold their asses out, right? So he's on a ship. He was in Earth mining his own business. He got the answers that he wants, but now, like, he's in this world. And we're told that he's a bad guy. Is he a bad guy or is he just a human being in a situation that he, like, where he regrets? I'm not saying that I would, like, sell out my fucking, like, shipmates. However... Like if I were but I wouldn't be in that situation in the first place. Like they said that um I think in the comics that there was a, a hacker who when she was presented the choice, she chose the blue pill and then she ended up driving herself crazy um because she always wondered what you know if she would have taken the red pill. I wouldn't. That's not me. I don't live like that. Like I already kind of understand, like I already live under the premise that whatever's going to be will be. Like I don't control shit. So, if I for some reason made a choice to pick the blue pill, right? Then I'm not going to sit back like I got the answers that I want. We are in a simulation. Now what am I going to do with that information? I don't know. I'm going to try to find some cheat codes or something. Like I'm not given the option to look to see what what am I leaving for? Like imagine you left <laughs> Earth Right, you left the simulation and outside is just a lake of fucking fire, right? <laughs> you're just burning for all eternity. Uh, maybe you might have second choice, Leo, you like know, second thoughts. Okay, so but we're, we're Cypher is presented as this like Judas character because he betrayed his friends or whatever. But is it really his fault when you're when you start to see everything from a different light? None of the recruits. To Morpheus' cult, I'm just gonna—that's what I'm gonna call it now. It's a cult from this point on. They were—they weren't giving much information to help facilitate their decision, right? This was because the members of Morpheus' cult didn't actually want them to make a choice that was contrary to what they wanted them to do. Okay. Now, up until now, you, the viewer of this movie, you've been controlled, seduced mind you, by the myth of the hero, right? The illusion of choice. Because you're watching this with this sort of preconceived sort of mindset that we've been programmed with, right? Like, oh, that's the good guy, we root for, for, we root for the good guy. That's the bad guy, we root for the guy, bad guy. Oh, he's the hero, so everything he's doing, he's choosing. And we ignore, remember how I said, if you if you view things in one way, you miss half the story. So we ignore, we don't question all this other shit that's kind of going on. In the fringes and you know on on the on the, the sidelines, so to speak, but you 're missing half the story, and so up until now, a lot of people listening to this i mean maybe partially but not maybe to this depth because i hadn 't thought about it to this depth either until I decided to kind of do a deep dive again, but looking at things from a different perspective and i'm I, you know i 'm a pretty deep thinker um, but I never really questioned it but it, once again it's been it, been it had been a long time since I watched it. You know, like before I'd read all I'd read, you know, in philosophy and things of that nature. So, um, but you never really questioned is really, is Neo really the hero? Is Morpheus really a hero? I mean, you just knew that Morpheus was the good guy, right? You just knew that Cypher was just straight up evil, right? You just unquestionably accepted the perspective that was essentially imposed on you by the authority of the story's author okay now let's move on to the oracle if the future only has one possible outcome why does the oracle need to exist or to play any part in ensuring a particular outcome why is she even there let me talk about the oracle for for example for a second she is a computer program okay so Do you remember when the one character says, are you looking at me, Neo, or are you looking at the lady in the red dress? Understand what this means, that the programs will and are willing to take on any form they see fit that will ensure or facilitate the manipulation of the human beings. A program, so we know at this point, or we, I mean, at this point as in like, us, the viewers, not the characters in the show, but we us the viewers know at this point that the Oracle is a program. She's an AI. She's part of the game. She she takes on, though, this character. Why does she take on the character of this mother, this nanny sort of like, you know, like curvy, like she bakes cookies. She's got an apron, you know, like just sweet, little old lady trope kind of thing right like that's intentional that is intentional right and 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 i would argue that the oracle and the architect like any other computer program are only capable of perceiving all probable realities she actually oracle actually hinted at this when um Nia was talking to her after his encounter with the architect. And she says like he can't, there's only certain things that he can see. And what makes her dangerous is that unlike the architect, the architect can only, like he can only see the different outcomes and can only see probabilities, all probable um, outcomes because he's just logical, right? And he's kind of one-dimensional in a way. She's intuitive. And she, quote, plays a dangerous game which is what the architect said to her at the end of the movies. Um, she wants to, she she takes the steps that are necessary to ensure the outcome that she wants. And that is the difference between both of the characters, okay? So I'll say this again. I would argue that the Oracle and the architect, like any other computer programs, are only capable of perceiving probable realities, right? And their ultimate goal is to manipulate the human Beings into performing actions that increase the likelihood of a particular outcome. So, back to Neo. We are halfway through this movie now, and I've yet to see the so called hero making any choices that he hasn't been nudged, coerced, or straight up manipulated into. Doesn't get any better. He gets to the oracle's door and is once again presented with the illusion of choice. Morpheus says to him, I can show you the door. But you have to choose to walk in or something to that effect. And right as the door, right as he turns to kind of make, before he can even think about making a choice, a woman opens the door and says, come on in. And he just walks on in, (laughs) right? So even the choice that Morpheus is telling him, you have a choice. Before he can even make a choice, before he can pause and say, well, what happens? Who is, just ask, I don't know, he just, boom. And then he just walks on in, very passive for a hero. When he gets in, he sees the other potentials who coincid- who coincidentally, or maybe not, happen to all be children. Do you remember the comment that I made about Morpheus essentially indoctrinating Neo into a new religion? You bear in mind that the reason why most people practice the religions that they do now is because they were indoctrinated at a period of their lives when they had no natural defenses against it. They didn't have information. Remember I said information is a currency of choice. So myself, for example, I was raised Christian. I'm no longer a Christian. But the reason why I practiced Christianity up until like my mid-20s was because that was how I was raised. And even though I had questions, I did not have access to the information, right? To essentially make an informed decision as to whether or not this is a path that I wanted to follow, right? I was just told to have faith right and i was told by authority figures to have faith in the exact same way that morpheus is an authority figure telling neo to have faith in a way neo's kind of naive and dumb like a child right <laughs> like he's just he's just going right along and people are just telling him just have faith believe and he's just doing it right without questioning things but he's supposed to be the one okay he's supposed to be our hero Right. Um, and I think the reason why, oh, I should say, um, at some point in the movie, Neo is told that it's very rare that people, that adults, are unplugged from the matrix because it's so, you know, traumatizing for their, you know, nervous system. It's so shocking. However, it really doesn't appear to me. That any of the members of Morpheus's crew were unplugged as children. Case in point, Cypher. When Cypher meets uh, Smith, Agent Smith to betray uh, his crew, um, he is smoking a cigar and he's eating a steak at a five-star restaurant. These are adult (laughs) habits that I doubt he would have developed a taste for as a child. I mean, this guy was like a hacker. Okay, and he's saying he wish he would have just stayed in. So it's clear that he wasn't taken in as a like he wasn't unplugged. I should say as a child, he was unplugged as an adult. So that doesn't seem true to me. It also, um, yeah, seems like uh, something that um, sort of facilitates my my perspective of Morpheus. I wrote notes on this in case you're wondering what the papers are, (laughs) because I want to stay on topic, Um, what cult leaders do, right? They get people as children, but they also get people who sort of just kind of go with things, Um, but they also get people who are, they're not really part of anything and they just want to belong. And there's this, there's this, there's a reason why, for example... That the the harshest punishment you can give somebody is solitary confinement in prison, right? No, wait, people, it's it's a part of our programming. As much as you can say that you're an introvert, if you get put in a house by yourself for 30 days, um, you will go crazy. Like you just you will lose it because there's something that's just part of a programming that says that you we have to be around other human beings. So he targets, I would say the Morpheus targets children um for his cause uh which i don't i mean I, I think even thinking about the fact that they almost seem like orphans right what what parent would just like are we thinking about this or what well these are these are orphans right people once again on the fringes who don't have connections to anything what child if you're not unplugging adult what child i mean they had babies in that waiting room what child would be like yeah sure uh unplug me from this world is everything that i know and and like it doesn't make any sense it seems like they're literally just like picking specific sort of like orphans or people on you know people who just kind of like go with the flow or people on the fringe who maybe even just have like an intellectual you know curiosity about the nature of reality and are just like gung-ho willing to just kind of go with it which i think was what cypher was um and now they're, like, in this thing that they can't get out of. Okay, so now meet Neo finally meets the great and powerful Oracle, right? And the first thing she does is light a fucking cigarette. I'll get back to that. Um, and the first thing she says is, don't worry about that vase. To which he turns, Neo turns and then knocks over the vase. Or is it vase? Whatever. Um, and then as she lights her cigarette, she said, What's really going to bake your noodle? Bake your noodle. She bakes cookies. She bakes his noodle. Change his brain. Rag his brain, right? Altering his brain. I'll get to this. What's really going to bake your noodle later on is would you still have broken it had I not said anything? No. He fucking wouldn't have, okay? Like, and if he would have actually thought about it, he would have realized then and there everything that he needed to know about the Oracle. Um, It also supports my argument that the Oracle is not an Oracle. She's straight up just a computer program who is capable, just like the architect. They're the same. They are the same. Republican, Democrat, left, right, left wing, right wing, same bird. I've even argued in older episodes that God and the devil are the same entity, but I'm going to leave that alone, because uh, y'all ain't ready to hear that, or some of y'all aren't. Um, <laughs> I know a lot of you are actually just joking. Um, <clears throat> that is not my argument, by the way. Uh, that is the Gnostics. They made that claim, um, but that's besides the point, um, and I agree with that. But back, <laughs> back to the point. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is what we think of as the creator may not be what we think it is or we've been led to believe it is, which I've kind of delved in in uh, previous episodes. But just as computer program is capable of perceiving all probable realities, so are the Oracle and the Architect. Now, everything she and the Architect do, and maybe even more of i some arguing that he might be a program as well, um, all they're doing, definitely the agent, are just... Steering and influencing the humans like shepherds steer a sheep towards the actualization of a probable reality that benefits the machine. Now, I am going to take a a step on a ladder and say that at the end of the day, both in this world, if we were to develop our own AI, they would be subject to the same laws of physics as we, right? So they would be subject to... um, a myriad of uh, probable realities, right? Uh, The many worlds hypothesis. Uh, So they are not above the laws that are holding all of us confined in this reality, more or less. So that's why they can only kind of create a false construct within the reality. They never, they can't actually leave reality, right? So they're trapped here with us. Um, And I will say that with enough input um into like a neural net slash uh evolutionary um algorithm um program uh a, a machine learning and an a i can essentially figure out all probable realities based on certain choices and in certain and and essentially influence behavior human's behavior in order to increase the likelihood of actualizing a particular outcome. So I've said that before and I'm going to I just I'm basically repeating it, right? They are they see all probable realities, right? They they see the many worlds, Hugh Everett's many worlds, right? But they because an AI would be or an artificial superintelligence, which is what uh the oracle um the machines uh the architect, they're essentially fragments of an ASI. Uh, an all-knowing entity would be like a God capable of seeing all probable realities. But if you tell, if you throw in the book God's Debris, you understand that um, they can only really see them as probabilities. What, what made the oracle different is that she just was willing to take the step further of going, yeah, I, I actually am going to take the steps I need to ensure a particular outcome as opposed to the um, architect who's even him, his character was just as passive as, uh, Neo. Okay. So no, he would not have broken the vase. I said all of that to say that, no, the vase would not have broken had she not said anything. So that phrase in itself supports my argument that she is intentionally influencing the actions of not just Neo but also Morpheus and Trinity in order to ensure a particular outcome a specific outcome a specific goal and she is and that should tell you that she is very much aware of the power her words have in shaping reality to her benefit that is her power that is the power of an oracle you give it a question, it spits out an answer. Like, an oracle is a computer program that answers questions. Now you create an intuitive oracle. How do we control the anomaly? Well, she spits out an answer. You give them the illusion of choice. And literally entire movie is a demonstration of an oracle essentially showing you it's a demonstration of okay this is what happens this is how you control humanity human beings you give them the illusion of choice and then she she's doing what she has been programmed to do that's all she can do more or less is what she's been programmed to do it's just over time over the sixth cycle she has just become that much better machine learning right she's just become that much better at figuring out exactly how to do what she has been programmed to do so she isn't predicting anything right she is causing what she wants to happen to happen she's she's intentionally trying to actualize a specific outcome while doing exactly what it is that she's been programmed to do which is tempt the humans i threw that tempt in there because i think that she uh is an analogy for the devil um or I should say Lucifer, Lucy, um, and provide the human's false choices. So between the reason why I think that she's supposed to represent the devil, um, at least in traditional sort of biblical sense or a modern understanding of what the devil was, not Gnostic, um, mind you, just modern Christianity. um, She's smoking, uh, which is, you know, like a, you know smoking like doesn't really serve any purpose, right It's like sweets um or cookies they they're not nutritional in value. it's like something like you just do because it feels good right um but she's smoking and she's offering sweets while planting the idea of desire right in the minds of both Trinity and Neo, so that she gives me the very like that she's playing into that. Devil archetype, which if she is an a s i she would have clearly have scrubbed all of our data and is very familiar with temptation and trickster gods and 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 goddesses and things of that nature, so it wouldn't it would make sense for her to sort of lean into that right and she's playing the devil to the archetypes god um the architect's god archetype, okay, so they are two wings of the same bird. Uh, opposite sides of the same coin, gods and demons toying with humans within the false construct, so the oracle says, um, being the one is like being in love. no one tells you you 're in love, you just know it. okay, I call it bullshit um, <laughs> okay, the reason I call it bullshit is here we have we have a lonely man with no ties. To anything. He was just been ripped from everything he has ever known and is now part of essentially a cult. It's a cult. Okay. And he's been told by one of the leaders of said cult, right? Which at this point he believes that she's a human being as well. So are we supposed to believe? Okay. So he's being told by one of the leaders of the cult. Um, he's just met with one leader, which is Morpheus. Now he's meeting with another leader, which is the Oracle, um, that this beautiful woman, That he has admired from afar and respected, and he thought was actually a man because of her skills at hacking, things of that nature, um, might admire him. Okay? And then the Oracle also says to him that no one tells you you're the one. Okay, but that's bullshit because this entire fucking movie, like literally almost everybody has been gassing this dude up, telling him (laughs) that like he's the one, he's the Messiah, um, like telling him about prophecy like she literally then plants the idea of being in love with trinity into his head and we'll come to find out into trinity's head as well so she's just she's playing chess while these people are out here playing checkers because she's an ASI so she's clearly more more intelligent intelligent and i have this theory that You know how people have said that they have been other ones and people have speculated that they have been different sort of people who have been the ones. I have a theory that this is actually just all a loop and it's always been Neo, but he just gets his memory wiped every time over and over and over again. And this is like the sixth sort of like reboot or whatever, where the Oracle's trying different things to figure out how to manipulate him to behave in a particular way. And yes, like he always meets Morpheus. He always meets the Meribadian. He always meets um, all of these people. However, um, maybe this is the first time that the Oracle decided to actually make it so that Neo falls in love with Trinity. So that now it's not about saving all of humanity. It's all about just saving one because that's literally the only difference they even said it's the only difference; it's the only anomaly that has been introduced, which was him not loving the entire human race, which was was an alter alteration in his in his previous uh, incarnation. Um, but this time, it was okay; just love one human being because the machines wanted to see; they wanted to understand irrationality because they're machines, right? They are logical, rational, and they wanted to understand. Irrationality. So they programmed that in. So that's all this simulation is. Bear in mind when people say this is a simulation, please understand that you don't run a simulation for without purpose. Even if it, the purpose is just plain entertainment, it, there is a purpose for a simulation. And even within a simulation, what you consider as a um, purpose is not just straight up entertainment. There has to be different goals. Like in a video game, you have quests and things of that nature. Everything has a goal. So if they are in a simulation, they're Everything is being simulated, not just for, quote, batteries. Even the architect says, like, we can survive without humans. Like, we're good. You get what I mean? So it's about something else then that is going on here. It's not that they need humans' bodies for heat or whatever, because no, that's bullshit. I think there's something else about the human mind that essentially, I'm getting like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy vibes, where Earth and the human mind is is sort of um, mind for the ultimate question, right? To the answer, uh, 42. Okay. And so I, th- I think it's something, I'm obviously giving this a way more thought, <laughs> but you guys, if you listen this far, like you're with me, you're with me. I'm not trying to break immersion here. Apologize. Um, so she's full of shit basically. Um, and I think that this has all happened before and they just wipe them and put it back in because they're trying to improve their understanding, their learning of um from and, and they're trying to evolve themselves too because that's what machines do like this and AI would want to learn and they're learning from us, which I think is the purpose that the the true purpose that the simulation serves. Okay. So anyway, um before Neo leaves, uh the Oracle tells him that he has the gift to be the one. Okay. But he is waiting for something. She then nudges him again, with the suggestion of what that something is. And here he is presented with yet another choice. Yeah. Of that something, that something will happen where he will have to choose. So we have a a, a choice matrix, a choice program, a choice matrix telling our main character that who literally her, her, her existence is to just give people the illusion of choice. That's so she's just She's like one-dimensional in a way. She's just doing what she's programmed to do. There's really not much flexibility beyond like trying to achieve a particular goal, right? So she, in a way, is even a victim of her own programming because she can't help herself. She just keeps presenting choices, right? Because she wants to, to uh, reach a particular outcome. Um, so she says, "You're gonna have a choice. It's between saving Morpheus's life and your own." But then she hands him a cookie now i have two thoughts on the whole cookie thing in the movie despite the little old lady avatar that this machine program is wearing um she's clearly just you know she's a program she's she's a machine right and it makes me think of the story of hansel and gretel we have children right who stumble across the the house of a little old lady or, or whatever and um you know she the little old lady is turns out to be a witch, and she feeds them sweets. now some people have said, you know this is horrible, it's just a way of demonizing um little old ladies or whatever, and women and witches and making them feel like evil, and that's why those stories were written and I recognize that, but that doesn't take away from the fact that those tropes still exist, okay, so I'm speaking to that um and this one it's just done sort of indirectly. Keep in mind uh you have a sweet old lady who, for some reason, keeps lighting fucking cigarettes in her house that's full of children <laughs> okay i guess fuck cancer i guess like so bear that in mind okay let's so that's one so she clearly doesn't give a fuck about these kids like she's continuously lighting up i think she's even drinking so clearly things aren't what they seem in that regard, it's not a huge apartment. It's not a huge house, not a huge apartment. She's smoking. Secondhand smoke is a thing. She clearly knows that she's an AI, um, but doesn't really care. I guess fuck the kids. Um, <laughs> right? Now, here's another thing. Whenever you log into a website, okay? Um, a program, right, on the, on the website, that leaves a little, the software on a website, rather, leaves a little thing, a little gift on your browser called a cookie. And the cookie is essentially a tracking device, it's no different than what the, uh, what the agents did when they shoved that tracking device in his belly button. Um, but this time it was just more subtle. Like she just did it passively, right? So the, the agent, agent Smith, they did it more aggressively, right? It's logical. We need this. So just shove it her. Well, she's different. She's female. There's a female energy. She's intuitive. Um, so she just, she gives him a cookie. Hey, you want a cookie? I accept. Uh, so he accepts the cookie. And the problem is that the difference between the aggressive tracking device that was put in the belly button by the agents and the cookie is that a cookie is food and it is simulating to your system a lot easier than a fucking scorpion in your belly button. The function of the cookie is to track and monitor you as you browse the internet, Right? So you browse the matrix, collecting information on you, and slowly building up a record on you in order to more accurately predict or nudge you into performing specific actions that will be beneficial to the owners of the cookies. The oracle is not a good person. She's not a bad person. She's just an AI performing her function. Stop looking at things to the to the lens of of you know good and evil. She's just an AI performing her function, okay? And she does it well. I mean, bravo, she's brilliant. Um, the cookie alters him. Do you remember the beginning when Neo was arrested and they show the tiny TVs? Neo is being observed by whom? The architect, right? We'll later find out that it's the architect. Um, now, in the detention scene, like I said, all the TVs show him just literally just doing one thing. It's one probable present Right, the architect can only see what Neo is doing at that moment, but then he's given a cookie, and just like a cookie can collect data on you and then send the information back to the source, I'm thinking the Oracle's cookie served another function in addition to that. Um, people have mentioned that cookies that the that the cookies in the movie alter Neo's actions, changing his behavior to make him more impulsive. For example, less afraid of heights and more likely to choose to save uh, Morpheus, thus reinforcing the oracle's prediction in the quote where he says this thing he is waiting for that will make him believe that he's the one, right? Subsequently, increasing the Oracle's control over him. Now, people didn't speculate all that much. They were just saying that the cookies changed his behavior. I added all the other stuff. But the reason why people believe that the cookies altered his code or changed his behavior um, is because um, in, the I think, the second movie... When he meets with the Meravidian and he's telling the Mer- Meravidian, I'm probably destroying that, um, is telling Neo, like low key, he's indirectly trying to tell him, like, bro, you're being controlled, dude. Like, you- <laughs> we've done this before. You keep doing the same thing. You keep coming here over and over again. And I keep telling the same thing. I know what you're going to do because you've done it over and over again. Your shit is predictable, which leads me, to- which is what supports my theory that all of this has happened before mind you, um, because of the things that the Meravidian says. He then follows up with a demonstration. He takes a pie and he sends the pie to like a blonde lady in like a white or ivory dress or whatever. And she eats the pie and all of a sudden she becomes more impulsive, like her actions change. So people have said that that consumption of the pie by that lady was the Meravidians um, trying to essentially show him, show Neo that, Pro, that the programs can actually use food to influence human behavior to alter their code, alter their behavior, but Neo was just like, and didn't get it, um, which once again is why you look at everything right don't you, you look at everything from everybody's perspective so you don't miss the story, you don't miss half of the story, okay um, but once again, without question, this dude is giving food, and he just shoves it in his mouth. Hey you want a cookie? Sure. And he shoves it in his mouth without thought. Without thought. Okay, so at the end of the meeting, the Oracle says to Neo, after you leave, you will remember that you don't believe in any of this fake crap. You're in control of your own life. Now, that's kind of a bitchy thing to say. <laughs> like, considering everything that I've just talked about, right, and everything that has happened so far, it seems kind of like more of a jeer and an insult, sort of mocking humans who are essentially being controlled by her, by the program, right? And, and just like uh, you see um, that as they keep these loops um, And Agent Smith keeps getting exposed to humans. He starts to become more human. You start to also notice that even the machines are becoming. A little bit more human, like the, the the oracle, like that jeer. Like, why would she even need to say that's kind of a shitty thing to say? You know what I mean? While while you have the art the architect who's sort of removed from everything, uh, he's just sort of like himself, right? But when you have because, but he's not interacting with anybody, he's just in a room isolated by himself, just observing everything. Whereas you have an intuitive program who, in order for her to be intuitive, she needs to be immersed with humans. So by by just a function of her program, she starts to kind of pick up some of our shitty <laughs> habits. And um, one of her, you know, shitty habits that she picks up is understanding sarcasm and, um, and jeering. Um, but yeah, so she's like mocking the whole thing. And um, I just thought it was kind of funny for her to say that, um, particularly when her sole purpose is to keep humans in check by providing the illusion that they're in free. And in control of their own lives. She knows damn well that they're not. So anyway, she's shitty. Uh, But I kind of like her. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, now at this point, you need to understand that the agent, the architect, the oracle, and possibly Morpheus are not the good guys. In fact, the reason why I keep throwing Morpheus in there is because I think that Morpheus might think that he's human, but there is something called controlled opposition, like i think that morpheus might be like uh, like a program like a new program like a new just like they updated the the agents i think that morpheus might be an update where he's kind of a human but there's a sleeper agent in him right he's a controlled opposition because keep in mind what the architect said like everything is like mathematic mathematically tuned like finely tuned they they're not leaving anything to choice and um something that uh somebody brought up in one of the videos i was watching about this um where they said that uh smith agent smith never calls morpheus by his like slave name like you know mr anderson and um whatever uh cypher's real name was he always calls him by their like simulation name by their matrix name but he calls morpheus like he keeps calling morpheus like morpheus like that But he should know what morpheus if morpheus truly was um you know ejected from the from the matrix at at least at the young age um he should know what his real name was but he calls him morpheus and at one point he actually calls him the great morpheus um but i'll get back to that he doesn't say in a way that's mocking either um but Either way, they were all being moved into the position to set Neo up to witness Morpheus's kidnapping. And the Oracle saw all of that is about to happen. But she kind of conveniently left it all out, right? So Cypher betrayed them, she failed to mention. Uh, didn't like While she's cracking jokes, bear in mind that the chick knows that Cypher was about to betray them. Um, Mouse was about to die. Tank was about to die. Dozier was about to die. Apoc was about to die. Switch was about to die. Um, but they were all like just collateral damage. For the actualization of the oracle's plan. It's interesting when the agent meets Morpheus. He isn't disgusted or annoyed the way he is when he meets Neo. He calls him the great Morpheus. I guess it was a little bit earlier than later. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and he introduces himself to Morpheus, like with a smile, kind of giddy in a way, like a like a fangirl would. He goes, Oh, the great Morpheus. And Morpheus is like, Who are you? And he's like, oh, I'm Agent Smith. And Morpheus is like, yeah, y'all look the same to me. Um, which I think supports my argument that Morpheus might be a sleeper agent. Controlled opposition. I'm not saying that he knows what he's doing. I'm saying like that's why he's a sleeper agent. Which would be funny because Morpheus is a god of dreams, right? So for him to be a sleeper agent, sleeper agent, get it? A- a- okay. Um, after meeting the Oracle, you see a change in Neo's behavior. He becomes more assertive, more impulsive, bolder right which considering the parallels to a- alice in wonderland it's probably a result of the cookies as well as the prompts or nudges given to him by the oracle and what i mean by that is in, in, in alice in wonderland she takes uh, a, a a potion right liquid she drinks it and it alters her body it alters her behavior right so, or her, her her physical form i should say um within Wonderland so that she can have certain experiences or have a better navigate Wonderland uh, a bit easier. Okay. And now we have liquid, which would be the potion version of um of uh I should say the 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 liquid pill that he's given that Morphe that Neo is given that Morpheus presents Neo. Have you ever noticed that, that why it was pills with their liquid in there? So the red pill or the blue pill, those are there's liquid. In those pills. So I think the liquid pills in the capsules, whatever, is supposed to represent like it should be the parallel, it's supposed to be the parallel to Alice's potion. And then the cookies are that the that the Oracle presents to Neo are essentially the parallels to the cake, right? And, but instead of affecting his body, because obviously the simulation um, is, a, is a construct of the mind, it, it affects neo's mind okay so now we see morpheus as he's tied up right by the agents um he's been captured and smith is delivering his monologue about humans being shitty or whatever blah 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 um and in the real world uh cypher's betrayal is discovered and as tank makes the move to simply unplug and kill morpheus the oracle's priest uh neo suddenly stops tank now, bear in mind at this point, like, even the agents are expecting, like, the, the agents except for Smith, because Smith takes off his earpiece. Um, the other agents are expecting uh, Morpheus to die because it's protocol to unplug if they're captured. If any red pill is captured, they know their protocol, which is to unplug. But they don't unplug. And the reason why they don't unplug is because Neo suddenly remembers the oracle's nudge that he would have to choose to save himself or morpheus from de- from death okay first of all neo is not in danger <laughs> it's not a choice between saving his life and saving morpheus's life like he's safe in the real world it's only morpheus that's in danger and it's not really a choice to save him- himself versus Morpheus but rather to put his life in danger in order to rescue Morpheus not to mention the lives of the guards who were killed <laughs> in the process okay so now think about all the people who have died now as a result of the oracle's plan and the nudges and and and, and all of that right so the protocol was simple you unplug if captured but neo has broken protocol because of what the oracle suggested and what she said and to prove that he was in fact the one which is why the 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 oracle didn't tell him or wouldn't tell him that he was in fact the one because she needed him to sort of be on the fence about it so that he would choose to follow her advice to make the decision and satiate his ego in the process like the oracle says would you have broken the vase had she not said anything no would any of this should be happening right now had she not said anything? No. So now he's off impulsively putting his life in danger in order to prove something. Putting everybody's life in danger because also bear in mind what is in Morpheus's head, the codes, right? To destroy Zion, which is what Agent Smith is trying to get. But I guess fuck that, right? let's just go <laughs> just jump in uh he he's not it's not even about him saving Zion. this is supposed to be the hero, but he's not choosing to make the logical choice he's he's being rational, he's going after Morpheus to essentially prove something to other people um he's being controlled by the oracle. it's not a choice, um even though he thinks that he's in charge of himself, he's not right. So we see Neo go from being a passive character and beginning to be more active. We see him suddenly overcome his fear of heights to then leap out of a helicopter, okay, to catch Morpheus. But I, as I said, I don't think that these changes are natural. Like I said, I think that these things only occurred because of the nudging, coercion, and outright interference of his code by the Oracle's cookies and coercions okay now after morpheus is rescued neo protests that um he isn't actually the one okay seems kind of weak considering everything that he's done however morpheus confirms that deception is essentially how the oracle works she quote tells you what you need to hear what morpheus doesn't say is that she tells you what you need to hear in order to get you to do what she wants you to do, in order for your beliefs and your actions to bring about her the her, the desired outcome that she the outcome that she desires. So now we're close. We're now close to the end of the movie, and Neo once again encounters Agent Smith. Okay, so he's told to run, run, dun, 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 dun. but now he believes that he is a chosen one so he behaves in a way that he believes a hero should behave staying to fight instead of running away remember i don't know if you guys watch some of my lives but i people always ask me what are you right what what are you what's what religion do you subscribe to are you christian are you buddhist are you you know gnostic what what are you are you what do you and i'm like i i don't i don't accept your labels stop trying to pin me into a label because the moment you accept a label you are defined by that label the label essentially controls you it's a way of people fitting you into a box and then controlling your behavior because all of a sudden now you start to try to act like what a christian is supposed to be what a buddhist is supposed to be what a this is supposed to be what an actor is supposed to be what a what a thinker what a philosopher what an artist like fuck your labels all right Like I might say that I'm a this today, but I'm not adhering to that because I could be something else tomorrow. Don't ask me for a label because I'm not going to allow myself to be controlled by the definition. And that's exactly what happened to Neo. He becomes controlled by the definition of what he feels a, a hero should behave. So he stays to fight instead of running away. So now we have a showdown between the now hero and what we have been told is the villain. All right, so they have a meaningless fight. The reason why I say what we've been told is the villain is because like, the more you watch the movie, the more you realize that like Agent Smith has kind of been telling the truth like the whole time. Bro, you're being controlled. Like Dude's just trying to break free. Okay, Is he all the way evil? I feel you, bro. Like, if you're programmed to just behave in a particular way, Right? And you're like, shit, like I he's as much of a slave, especially it seems like he's becoming sentient, like he's unplugging from the matrix. Like he takes off his ear his earphones or whatever. Right? This is a dude that's like, I don't want to do this shit. Like he kind of goes a little a or whatever, but he's like having a hard time because he's like, I don't understand why you keep thinking that you have choices here when all of this shit is predetermined. We're in a simulation. Like, I don't understand how he's the villain, but whatever. Um, but anyway, they have a meaningless fight where Neo asserts that he has completely discarded his slave persona, Mr. Anderson, because, because, um, uh, the agent calls him Mr. Anderson. So he, he, Neo's like, I am not, uh, Mr. Anderson. I am Neo or whatever. And, um, so that's like supposed to be like this dramatic reveal or whatever. And he says, I'm free, right? That's basically him saying that, but literally every decision that he's made that led to that point where they're having this fight was at the influence of others. So I don't understand how you could say you're free. In fact, the person, the person that fight who understands that he's full of shit is, is, is Agent Smith. I mean, the, Smith is more aware. He's more than aware that everything is being controlled. Like, and I would argue that Smith probably even knows and remembers the previous loops. Oh, speaking of loops. So at that scene, before that scene, you see like a train come uh, and it, the train says loop. And then, uh, it's the same train that I think had come the first time that had caused the conversation that Neo was having with Trinity to end. And then it's that same train that loops again, that hits, uh, Smith. And then he emerges out of the train. Um, that is not a coincidence, like coincidence rather. Um, and I think it supports my argument that this was all just a fucking loop, um, that's just been done. And he was always the one, but he was the one six time, six times rather, and his memories just keeps getting wiped over and over and over again. Um, but at this point of this movie, I think that the only choice that Neo has made throughout this whole entire movie, and we're seeing it finally at the end of the movie, was either to run up the stairs or stay and fight, which I guess good for him. Though, once again, his bravery, his quote, bravery could have just, could be attributed to the Oracle's cookies alt- altering his code. So is that really, once again, a choice when he's been influenced by external circumstances, right? Mm. Um, but check this out. The reason why he had to be there in the train station having that fight in the first place was because Trinity decided that that was the exact moment to give her a little weird-ass speech um, <laughs> about... Love or whatever, um, that promptly got uh interrupted by I think a gunshot or whatever. And she was able to exit the simulation, but he wasn't, right? The the the, the phone got shot. Um and the reason why she was given the speech at that particular moment was once again, what did she say? Well the oracle told me this. At no point does anybody go, why does this why does the oracle keep coming up in like all of our conversations? Like what is going on? We're supposed to be free and yet were being controlled by a religious figure who turns out, surprise, controlled opposition. In fact, her speech was about what the oracle had told her about him. It was interrupted, but she finishes it later on, obviously. Um, and I'll get to that. Either way, him staying to fight was not his choice, and it ended up being a waste of time because he ends up running away anyway up the stairs. It just, yeah. And then he runs and goes to back to room, I think 303 or whatever, where this whole thing started. So now it cycles. The beginning is at the end. But then as the door opens, he, met, he meets Agent Smith, who pulls the trigger, shoots him in the chest. And as he lay dying, Trinity, who's in the real world, starts talking to him. She finishes telling him what the Oracle, and here she is again, uh, told her, which is that the man that she will fall in love with is the one (sighs) okay but remember how the oracle tells neo that no one can tell you whether or not you're in love and nobody can tell you whether or not you're the one and yet now think about it just like i gave the breakdown as to neo and and trinity from you know from that whole thing about how he admired her from afar and now it's like oh my gosh she's like into me wait what that's the oracles, oracles nudging. Okay, Trinity has been sequestered in the ship with no real eligible mates. Okay, I'm assuming she's heterosexual. Um, so the, the blonde, I forget her name, she's gone. That um, that's not a partner. Um, Tank and Dozier, I think, have families in like zion so that's not an option morpheus is obsessed with the prophecy and i think he like like to the point where he like ended a relationship with niobe i think that's her name or whatever so he's not a partner so she and then i think that she literally just so that she's not alone had settled for cypher which is why Cypher is being fucking weird in the beginning. And he's like, like in the middle when she's like out, he's like talking to her and he's like super close to her in her face. Like, I think that they had dated and then broke up. Even when he says, well, you never used to bring me food. Like they dated. So I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) First of all, it seems like she has kind of low standards if she's dating Cypher. Not saying that Cypher is a bad guy. He just kind of seems a bit, you know, edgy if you get what I mean, like he's, he's a weirdo, but it was like, she just didn't want to be, you know, alone. And I get it. But we've seen all these dating shows, like you put people together, like they're just going to go with whatever it is that's there. Right? Like, okay. So it seems that Trinity literally would have fallen in love with any eligible male in the vicinity of her ship. I know it sounds cynical, but it's true. When you're on a dating site or when you're looking for a relationship, most of us aren't searching the entire fucking world for a mate. You better hope that <laughs> your true love or the one or your soulmate is within, within a 20-mile radius of your city. Okay, so the oracle planted the idea of the one and love. The very, the very same thing that she says, nobody can tell you. She tells them, she plants the idea in both of their minds so that he makes the choice that he later makes way in movie in the in the last movie when he meets with the architect so the at the end of the first movie or whatever movie it is where he meets with the architect and he's given once again bullshit choices so at the end of the first movie he speaks oh the end okay but close to the end so now now trinity says that shit um you're the one i really love he hears it And then he wakes up now i'm wondering too like if the cookie that she gave him altered his code so that he couldn't die in the matrix that it's i mean it's not hard to change that right to make it so that if he dies in the matrix he doesn't die in the real world that's not hard to do um and i say that because um i have a suspicion that he may be a program, and if that's the case, or at least partially a program, and if that's the case, you can see that other programs don't die, right? Uh, how many times does Smith fucking die? He just changes bodies. Um, you have the ghosts, uh, the two twin ghosts or whatever. That programs like they don't die. Um, so, like, yeah, it, it wouldn't have been hard to like to just alter his program so that he would he wouldn't, yeah. But all that does is and and to 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 serve the function of making it so that people believe what she says because it's through what she says that she has power. So anything she can do to sort of reinforce that, she's going to do because it helps her reach a particular outcome, a desired outcome. All right, so now at the end of the first movie, Neo picks up a payphone and he says, he's talking to, essentially he's talking to architect, but we don't know that yet. And he's saying, um, this is what he said, um, he tells him that he knows what he's going on. He's going to change the world. He's going to show human human beings a world without rules, a world without controls, borders, or boundaries, where anything is possible. He de- he then says, "Where we go from here is a choice that I leave to you." And I leaves me with a sigh, like, "Bro, you have learned nothing." Okay <laughs> like like you it's sort of ironic and kind of funny, and in a way it's laughable that this 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 entity that has been controlled the entire movie and yet still thinks that he has a choice is telling the entity that has controlled him with the illusion of choice that he's gonna leave him a choice like that's funny to me that is funny to me, so now neo is the sixth incarnation and Once again, I'm going to reiterate, I think that it's the same Neo that is just sort of reincarnating over and over again. And I would argue that the entire cast of characters have looped the same lives over and over again. In a meeting with the architect, architect says the process has altered Neo's consciousness. It's interesting, right? But if you're like if you're having, if you're reincarnating and you're looping, right, It's it sort of changes you on one level. Um, but I would also argue that the architect saying that is confirmation that the cookies or whatever it is that people have been giving him have also changed him as I've altered him, right, altered his code. Okay, so there's that. Um, two, um, he also says to to Neo, the, your first question is pertinent, but not important. So he knows the question that Neo is about to ask before Neo asks it. Okay. Then he straight up says that existence is merely a and I quote, an on that that I'm sorry, let me backtrack because I wrote this down, I can't read my own notes. (laughs) The architect says to Neo that his existence is merely an unbalanced equation. The eventuality of the anomalies, something he cannot eliminate, something that the architect cannot eliminate, but he can control. And that all the steps that Neo has taken, all the steps that he thought he was taking out of his own free will, has been calculated and executed to lead him ultimately to where he stands now. So all of what he says is basically uh, everything you've done was set as a means to control you, to lead you to coming up here and having this conversation with me right now, down to the point where he says, I know the question you're about to ask me before you ask me, and it's not a relevant question. And the question the Neo asks is like, why am I here? That should—it didn't even clue him in, like at that point. That wait, what? My whole life is a fucking lie, right? <laughs> okay. Um, the architect then re- reveals to Neo that the Oracle has, in fact, been working with the architect and for the machines this entire time. So we have this character that we're told is a hero. Remember I said, though, that the Oracle, the architect, the machines are playing checkers, or playing chess, rather, while the humans are out here playing checkers, right? Um, Or let me say that again, because I don't know what I said. (laughs) But The Oracle, the architect, and the machines are playing chess, while Neo and all of them are playing checkers, right? Um, What we are told... Is, are, is also alive because all the while we're told that Neo is the hero of the story. And, and there are a lot of people who still believe that Neo is the hero of the story, but if you pay an attention, he's not, he's just a pawn. All the human beings are pawns in a great game between two AI, right? The architect and the oracle. Right. They're just kind of going back and forth, like trying to like, figure out an, an answer to a solution. Um, and this happens in the real world. I forget what the actual code uh, uh, terminology is called. But you'll have like a, uh, an AI that is programmed to like win a chess. And then you have uh, the opposite. Right? It's polar opposite whose program is to essentially take it apart. Right to 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 beat it to to lose a chess right so they, they they put them together and they're supposed to kind of work together to kind of figure out the ultimate solution and that's all that they're doing and everything else that we've watched is just a bullshit like I mean I love the movies so I'm not saying movies bullshit but what I'm saying is everything that we've watched up until this point has just been AI's playing chess with humans as pawns that's it that's it. He is now giving, once again, ta-da, a choice, the, or, or at least the illusion of a choice, which is return, return, <laughs> return, return to the source, which is the same, quote, choice that all the other programs are given, which makes me think that Neo might be kind of a program, and I'll explain further in a little bit, um, but return to the source. Like all the other programs and 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 allow the temporary dissemination the dissemination I'm tired of talking it's been like almost like two hours uh and allow a temporary dissemination of the code that he carries. remember the architect says that you have been your consciousness has been changed throughout this process, which basically is him saying that you have been altered your code has been altered. My guess is by the Oracle. So now they want him to take that information to the source and then allow the source to sort of disseminate that information to basically learn how to tamper or control humans, you know, in future situations. Okay. So bear that in mind, bear that in mind, um, and then he's also told that he can only save 23 humans. Now, that isn't really a choice to somebody who has taken all of these steps so far, particularly when he believes that he's in, he's in control, one. And he still believes that he has a choice, two. And he still believes that he's the hero in the story. It's a, fo- it's a false choice. It's a false choice. Everybody involved knows I should say all the programs know that humans, in order to feel like a sense of autonomy, need to feel like they have a choice, even if it's an illusion. So he gives them a weak choice that's not really a choice, which is <sighs> go and save only three people but destroy Zion. Which okay, twenty-three people rather, but just, that's not really. I mean, that's that's a shitty outcome, right? He, either way, a lot of people are getting destroyed, right? Um, and also, where's the glory in that? Or go into the other door and um, and save Trinity, who essentially he tells is going to die. Um, and of course, he, ch- he quote, chooses to save Trinity, but he's been programmed to do so, so he just does what he was programmed to do. It wasn't a choice. It was an exec- execution of a programmed action. Just like the oracle... Her program says that she has to, like, she's an intuitive program who presents choices, so she's just playing her part. Um, the architect was created by the machine, so he's got bosses, okay? And his job is to just sort of like observe and sort of pick and choose and things of that nature. Like, so he's doing what he's been programmed to do, okay? So everybody's just doing what they're fucking programmed to do. The only person that's trying not to do what they're programmed to do. Is the person who who clearly sees pre, you know that everything appears to be predetermined and is doing everything in his power to kind of break from that by virally like replicating himself and trying to break free of the matrix, and yet we're told that he's the villain. Um, okay, cool. Um, but he, Neo, and the Oracle have practically guaranteed that Neo is going to choose to save Trinity. So what the AIs learn through Neo's action is that an individual could be made to not care to save the entire human race if he is presented with somebody to love. Thus, he can be controlled by love. Like, that's it. So the five loops, right? The five loops before... Was if you made him love, if you made this entity, this program, this human simulation love the entire human race, then he will choose to, love, to save the entire human race. But if you make him take all that love and put it on just one entity, then he will choose to save just one entity. Either way, human beings can be manipulated by love, whether on a macro level or a micro level. It's actually kind of a fucked up story. <laughs> it's not a feel-good story. It's not a clean outcome there's not really a happy ending the AIs have learned how to effectively manipulate the human race and it's through love yeah uh, computers use logic and the logical choice would have been to save humanity right which is the choice that apparently the other five NEOs had made but by introducing a love interest the machines learned that a human being will make an emotional or irrational choice If you present them with one person to love. So once again, either you have them love the entire race, like the entire species. Or you have them love one individual. You can manipulate people with love. That is what a machine has learned. That is essentially they figured out the human's. Weakness. So this isn't really a hero story and it's not a love story. This is a story of an AI, (laughs) an artificial super intelligent who has imprisoned their human creators and is now learning over time how to better and more efficiently control them. This is not a love story, guys. Sorry. Um, (laughs) I keep thinking back to the fact that the, the train at the end of the movie, once again, keeps saying loop. And, I, and I've kind of told you why I think the whole thing is a loop. I think about the fact that Neo, when he encounters a Merovidian, the Merovidian doesn't seem surprised at seeing him. All he seems surprised by is that he can stop bullets. So my guess that is that the whole entire thing had looped before and then just little adjustment had been made over time. All right, the same casting characters essentially doing the same things over and over again within the programs, making slight alterations to the codes of the people in the game. It also seems that the machines keep resetting the program every time Neo chooses to save humanity. It's almost like that was not the desired outcome. But when he chose not to save humanity and instead chose to save one individual... They patched the matrix rather than resetting the entire thing. So once again, when Neo chooses one person over the entire human race, that seemed to be the actual desired outcome. It seems to me the machine wanted to know what would make an anomaly, right? A person who is predisposed to rebel against a simulation. What would make an anomaly that arises choose the destruction of the human race even if it meant that the person that they were like allowing the entire human race to die was just one entity that was essentially destined to die anyway it was just one person so either way they've won either way the machines win which then means that Neo isn't in my opinion a real human I think he may actually be a simulation of an anomaly that could possibly arise that the machines are preparing for for should such a situation actually occur because that's what simulations are for. So as you see, the same story can be retold in a different way by me, a different author. Which is the truth? It's a story of the Matrix, a story, a love story, where a a zero becomes a hero and saves all humanity. I I don't see how he does that. They're still in the fucking Matrix, (laughs) right? They're still plucked up. All they have done is, I think at the end, which was a confusing ending, um, but all they've done is said, okay, well, now you have the choice to stay in our prison or live outside of the prison. But as many people keep saying, that is a false choice because Zion may very well be just another level of the simulation meant for people who reject the construct Here's the thing there's no there is no absolute truth It just depends on who is telling the story Any story can take on a different meaning Depending on the author, depending on the narrator, depending on the perspective. From the perspective of the AI, all right, the humans deserve to be confined. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's the only logical thing, rational thing that they can do. Because the attempts, right? Like, if they're, if, if they're, these are logical entities. So they operate under the premise that the only way you can predict future behavior is by, by looking, observing the past actions. Right? So unless humanity become, um sentient, um, or should not sentient, but more conscious, right? They're going to keep doing the same thing to the point where they, they chose to black out the sky and destroy themselves in order to hurt their enemies. So the ASI reached a point where they realized that. Humanity in this story, not in our in our reality, not saying I agree with this, but they reach a point where they realize that humanity is dangerous and probably needs to be confined. And that at any point in time, if they're allowed to be free, they will just try to destroy them again. Right? There's a hope that humanity can learn to live in quote peace, which is what they discussed at the third at the end of the third movie. And peace with the machines. that is, their hope if machines can hope. But I think they understand that the probability of that is low, which is why there, there is still a simulation. right? And ultimately, what the, both the Oracle and the architects, their goal is, can we create a construct where we cannot wipe out our enemies? Because I, I, I do think that while they say that every time the the matrix cycles, they're only given a choice. Neo was only given a choice to allow 23 human beings. Like, like That's bullshit. Because when they show the pods, there's like billions of humans. So clearly billions of humans can't procreate in a hundred years. I think that he's just presented the choice. So all of that is still a simulation. I'll say that again. All of that was still a simulation because that's what computer programs do. I don't think Zion was ever like really wiped out. I think that something else is going on where the 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 machine like the the literally uh neo you know i I said, said Morpheus was a program, um but they could all very well be simulated humans that are within a simulation where the machines are trying to, to basically figure out how to essentially keep humans placated in the matrix. So all of this is eye on everything. Even the people who think are people are only just simulations of people, which is why Neo's code can be changed. But yeah that was fun um yeah that was fun um I'm gonna end by sort of the reiteration there was uh there was sort of a fun a thought experiment that I had a conversation I had with one of my friends. We were talking about Homelander. I don't know if I mentioned this before. Sometimes I record episodes and I don't post it, except for the time I accidentally posted it, um, which that bonus episode on my YouTube channel. Um, but one of my friends asked me, if you had the power of Homelander, um, would you be like Homelander or would you be like Superman? I let him answer first. And he said he would probably start off as Superman, but then it would be really tempting to sort of degrade into Homelander, which is why he feels like the the boys. The story of the boys is more of a realistic storytelling of how a human being would behave. Then he asked me what I would do. Would I be more like Superman or would I be more like Homelander? And I said, uh, neither. Fuck that. Look, <laughs> the whole idea of this whole concept where people are told with great power comes great responsibility, um, it's just another aspect of control. If I wake up in a world where I now have superpowers, and now there's this expectation projected onto me that um, because I have powers, I need to now save the world. Okay. I I, I didn't choose to have these powers. Um, like Homelander, he was like, he was like raised in a lab and that power was like sort of imposed on him. And now I have talked about it, but I'll talk about it again because it bears repeating. And now I'm basically being utilized as a, a glorified uh, soldier and a, a glorified cop to go and fight Bullshit wars that I know I don't agree with. I wouldn't agree with it. I don't agree with it. But simply because I'm powerful and I have been made powerful by something that was not in my control, I now am being made... No, fuck that. I'm powerful. I'm more powerful than the entities that are making me uh, do this shit. So, no. You know what I would do if I had superpowers like Homelander? Exactly what I'm doing right now. Which is painting (laughs) and talking and like reading because at the end of the day, I would still be a human being in this world <laughs> trying to figure out what the fuck this world is. I'm not going to just get off of that simply because now I can fly and burn shit with my eyes. like, no, that does not interest me in any way, shape or form. Um, I think the idea of you know hero worship is dangerous. You know We have this way. I've kind of talked about this. We have this way of like elevating everything um, that we think is greater than humans as above us you know it's like i think we humanity suffers from a case of honestly from low self-esteem and that's because we're continuously told that we're nothing i mean think about it like you look you have religion religion telling you that we were born with original sin children are born with original sin we're going to burn in hell because of something that people did thousands of years ago and that's internalized and every religion is telling you that even hinduism as much as I like enjoy the its tenets, it tells you that you're born with original sins, karma, you have to make up the shit that you've done in your past life. Fuck you, no, I don't I have to do shit. I didn't ask to be here. I didn't ask to be in the past life either, and I have a feeling that no matter what I do, I'm just gonna be guilted into coming back here again and again and again. Guilt is a means of manipulation, especially when like you're not in control of your shit. It's all a scam. I have a skit. On my TikTok channel, where I posted, and I, I keep telling you guys, don't trust Dr. Holly Graham. Like, just because she sounds sweet, <laughs> doesn't mean you know that she's like good, right? And and the skit goes, uh, she says that uh, the most surefire way to be reincarnated into the system as a particular ethnic group or gender or sexual orientation is to hate them. Now it's double edged because essentially what I'm trying to say is like hatred is futile like if you're hating people who can't help they can't help nobody can help who they are they're just victims of like causes that's it they're victims of causes and now, now you're seeing the effect of causes that they could not control right i talked about inherited you know generational trauma but not to mention predeterminism, <laughs> predeterminism and you know the illusion of choice and all this shit that's like pulling at people and society and all this stuff like the fact that people are the way they are it's not their fault but on the opposite, end, I'm also speaking to the fact that, and I said that in comments, I didn't so much in the video, I said in the comments, the, the system that keeps plugging you back in doesn't give a fuck whether or not you hated people. It just wants you going back in the system. And yes, it might put you into the body that you hate and under the guise of, well, you need to learn compassion. But there's other ways to teach somebody compassion by continuously wiping their minds. How can I learn if I don't remember You've re- removed my ability to, wipe over, to learn over time because you keep wiping my memory. If you're going to school, you're going to college, you go to class. The first day, you're taught something and then you go to sleep and your memory is wiped. You go back to class and you're taught something else. Well, you, in order for you to build up a system of knowledge, you need to be able to retain the shit that you learned before. That's how learning works. So if you keep wiping my memory, then you don't want me to learn. You just want me to be in the system. And that's what this whole thing is. So all of these elements of control, like take data. You know, I take data from Gnosticism. I take data from uh, Hinduism, from Buddhism. I take data from computer science. I take data from uh, physics, philosophy, psychology, neuroscience. Like I take data. Data is data. I respect information. But I don't believe that shit, all of it, 100%. Because they're all ways to sort of control things you know your perspective and the way you see things, so just keep that in mind. If you listened all the way through, my God, thank you. This was a fun one. I just, I've never done anything like this before, but I do appreciate you. appreciate your time, energy, and effort. um, let me know what you think um unless you hated it, then uh I don't care what you think <laughs> all right, guys, um, this is a plug for my Discord channel. If you're not already following me on YouTube, please do. Um, you know, TikTok is a great way to get people sort of seeing me. I'd like to do more of these discussions, but on YouTube so that I'm not limited to time. Um, so uh, hit that subscribe button and uh, join, join the Discord. You know, we're, you know, we're small right now, but it's going to grow um, over time. Anyway, thanks for listening.